welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we are going to, I think, have a very interesting program for you, and I hope that you'll stay with us as we are here every Sunday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com. Do you know that we're also on a special broadcast on Wednesdays at 9 a.m.? We hope that you will uh, join us for that one as well. Uh, and again, the streaming on richarddugan.com with podcasts at SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and other locations you folks are reposting us to. Thanks for doing that. We are also on YouTube where you can uh, watch these interviews and uh, listen to us as we chat away and have a fun conversation on whatever the topic might be in regarding new paradigms paradigms for a new world and giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. We also uh, would like for you, if you can, and this program resonates with you, you like what you're hearing, you like what the guests we're bringing and the subjects that we're talking about, then uh, support us if you can financially. We have a PayPal and Patreon account for your security as well as ours. And please participate in the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s, where you spend time going within, getting quiet, getting still, and listening to that still, small voice. Our program today is uh, one that I have been looking forward to for quite some time because uh, I was introduced to this gentleman uh, through another program that I was, uh, I'm was i a part of, that I am producing. His name is uh, Charles Sherman, and his website is charlessermanart.com. And I want to introduce uh, our guest to you, who is a, he's a sculptor, he's a jewelry designer, and um, we want to thank you so much for being with us and for sharing your personal philosophy of life and art, uh, which are basically the same, to promote the positive. And your intention is to elevate the spirit of both the viewer in this case, as well as the listener. Thanks for being with us, Charles. And thank you for having me, Richard. It's really a pleasure to be here. I am okay. real excited about this opportunity because I know that one of the subjects I have been working on trying to understand better, and I think I have a better understanding, but I love asking the questions in regards to the subject of sacred geometry. That is, uh, is would you consider that to be sort of a, a central or focal point to uh, the work that you do, the art that you produce? Yes, but it happened very organically. Um, math is not my forte. So to me, sacred geometry is <clears throat> its geometry that has nothing to do with math. It's, it's pretty much entirely intuitive. Intuitive. So you just, it just came to you. Did you know, well, at, the, did you know at the time it was sacred geometry? No, I was just fascinated by the forms. I had no idea what it was called. And the first form of sacred geometry that I was introduced to in fifth grade is a form called the Mobius loop or the Mobius strip. And uh, my fifth grade, uh, grade teacher just simply took a, uh, a white piece of paper, a long strip uh, that was say one inch by 20 inches and then just twisted the two ends 180 degrees and then all of a sudden this strip of paper was together and it had no beginning and no end. So to me that was more than just a physical 
form. It was also a spiritual form. It had no beginning and no end. So again, this this circle, if you will, had a twist in the in the papers. What you're saying, right? Exactly. Interesting. And 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 it just ha- and and uh, they it, it's referred to as a Mobius strip. Is that right? Right. Now it's called a Mobius strip because in 1865, a German mathematician and astronomer by the name of August Ferdinand Mobius. Uh, was commissioned by industry during the Industrial Revolution to create a belt that would last twice as long. So this belt wore out equally on both sides. He was the one that figure out the, figured out the math to it, so he got the credit for it. But I think that people may have been making this form for maybe 20,000 years. Mm. Wow. Is that related at all? And if so, how to one of the creations of yours, which folks are are extremely interested in, and that is the infinity ring. A Mobius loop is an infinity ring. Aha! Um, uh, I can actually here's a piece of paper, and I'm just going to make uh, a Mobius loop right now by cutting the piece of paper with a scissor. Okay. I love so this, this because now it's going to require those listening on the radio or podcast to go to YouTube to watch you do this. Go ahead. Great. So now you have a strip of paper, and if you just attach one end to the other, you have a circle. Right. But if you take one end and twist it and hold it together, the outside becomes the inside, and the inside becomes the outside. Yeah. So it's a never-ending loop, and it has no beginning and no end. So this is a Mobius. So a Mobius is two revolutions. So uh, this is one time around, and then That's two the second. times around. Yeah. So it's 180-degree twist. Now this one, this is also an infinity ring. This is four, uh, three times around. So if you start here... And you follow it, and you follow it over the top, to the back one time, and then to the back side two times, and then over the front and around three times. So this wow. one is a three-revolution infinity ring. The Mobius loop is a two-revolution infinity ring. Okay. So any continuum, which is a form that has no beginning and no end. I call them infinity rings. So a Mobius loop is two revolutions. This form is three revolutions. Is there a name for that three, uh, three revolution form? Um, I I don't really know exactly what the name is. That's why I call them all infinity rings. Okay, I was going to say, it's not called the Sherman ring. Well, I call them all Sherman rings, actually. <laughs> okay. Well, let me ask you the question <clears throat> in regards to these these different levels, I'll call them, of uh, infinity rings. Uh, what is the significance? How, how, how would we put that into, if it even can be put, into uh, practical understanding and even practical application? Well, because they're infinity rings, I believe that they, have infi- they bring infinite harmony, infinite love, infinite abundance, um, some people don't believe that, 
But I think that they're beautiful, and I try to make them more and more beautiful. And anything that's beautiful elevates the soul and makes you feel better. Um, on a more mystical level, they also have feng shui qualities. So depending on where you put these infinity rings, uh, they have different qualities. For instance, if you put them in the entrance to your home, uh, they will bring infinite warmth, infinite hospitality, infinite friendship. In the office, they may bring wealth and prosperity. Hmm. Charles Sherman is my guest. He is an artist who produces uh, not only uh, sculptures, but also rings, which I guess you would say are sculptures in and of themselves. And you actually create rings for people, for obviously wearing on their fingers. Um, what kind of significance would you say does this bring, as you've just described having one in your home, um, what about one person, a person who would wear one? Well, uh, the rings fit perfectly into your finger, and I just was polishing one. Richard, can I just go get one? Feel free. As I tell our listeners that you are listening, go right ahead, uh, Charles, while I tell our listeners and our viewers that we are talking with Charles Sherman here on Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And as I've said on many occasions, <clears throat> we are here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., as well as our special edition of Tell Me Your Story, which is on Wednesdays, and that is at 9 a.m. And, of course, our podcasts are also on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and other locations you folks are posting to. And uh, we are now on YouTube. And, of course, if you're watching our YouTube channel, and we thank you for doing that. I hope you'll subscribe. Uh, as of this broadcast, or this videocast, if you will, I'm up to 24 subscribers. Doesn't sound like a lot, but that's 24 more than I had when I started. So, you know, it's, to me, that's not too bad. So I hope that you will, uh, you will subscribe and also participate in our uh, decade of perfect vision. Now, Charles, you have an example of one of these rings that you create for individuals. Uh, and um, I'm curious as to, because I'm, again, there are all kinds of uh, um, uh, 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 oh, I'm trying to think, ornamentation that one can have on their bodies from rings, a necklace. I, I happen to uh, wear, uh, this is from my Vedic astrologer. This is a kavach, which has my astrolog astrological information encoded on it, uh, you know, on the surfaces. And I wear it against my skin as a form of, as, as my Vedic astrologer puts it, um, protection, not to avoid s certain malefic situations, but maybe to minimize. It's kind of like choosing or not choosing to take an umbrella when it's raining. So that's kind of how that goes. So talk to us a little bit about this ring. First of all, what are they made of? Okay, my rings are uh, sterling silver or 18 karat gold. Okay. Um, so... Now, the finger rings are small versions of this. This is what I call a Sherman infinity ring, which happens to be a Mobius ring. So you see, if you start here and you follow the edge around one time, so it's you start on the front here and then 
over the top and around once, and if you follow the edge, it goes under the top and around two times. Over the top and around mm -hmm. once, under the top twice. Right. Now, what's unique about this ring is that the side view is a perfect equilateral triangle. Oh, wow. So the finger rings are small versions of this. So mm -hmm. it's a finger ring that comes to a point, and the point fits right into the groove of your finger. Okay. So it's an ergonomically perfect fit. Wow. So uh, that is what my finger rings are. Okay. Now I have a round circle ring uh, that is wide. It's made of uh, silver. Uh, I don't wear it. It has Irish symbols on it, uh, shields and so forth. And the reason I don't wear it is because if my finger, uh, every once in a while, I might get a little swelling uh, and I can't get it off and it may start to hurt. I had that happen once and I had to wait. You know, I thought, well, I'll hold my hand up and let the blood flow out and I'll get it off. Uh, that didn't work. Uh, I can't put it on my other ring finger because the knuckle is too wide. Uh, now, you still have to size these, though, right? Yeah, they come, my finger rings come in 14 different sizes, so one of them will fit just about anybody. Yeah. Um, so what is the, shall we call it the metaphysical, what are the metaphysical attributes of wearing one of these Mobius rings or, or infinity rings? Well, it's the same qualities of any of my infinity rings. Mm -hmm. Okay. They they bring they they bring infinite harmony, infinite love, infinite abundance. But more than anything else, they feel really good and they're beautiful. Mm -hmm. Everybody tells me that these rings are the most comfortable rings that they've ever worn. Have you noticed a difference? in your demeanor, shall we say, when you're not wearing it? Uh, yes. I notice that I miss the ring. I, I, I miss it very much. <laughs> I love wearing it. It just, well, I, I just, they just feel really good. Yeah. So when I don't have it on, I miss wearing it. When, uh, obviously, you discovered or were, were introduced to the Mobius ring, the Infinity ring, uh, early on, when did you decide that you needed to do something with it in terms of sculptures? Uh, and I guess uh, when, your, uh, when did your art, uh, your art career uh, begin? Uh, I mean, obviously, most of us, like myself, you know, we had art in school, but you have taken it to a new level. Uh, thank you. Well, I've been an artist my whole life, uh, and I wanted to be a professional artist my whole life. Uh, in 1981, um, I, I was in business, and then I realized that I'm a failure. I'm a business failure, so I may as well turn my life inside out and do what I wanted to do. So I dropped everything. I started reading everything I could about art history. I joined every arts organization uh, that would have me as a member, and most of them would. It's pay to, it's pay to play. Um, I just turned my life inside out in 1981, and then since that time, I've been reinventing myself as an artist, primarily by failing. And uh, as an artist, you fail, and growth lies in overcoming creative obstacles. So it's like you try something, 
you fail, you dig a deeper, you dig another hole for yourself, you crawl out, you take a breath, and then you dig a deeper hole. And it's the love of these barriers, the love of the process, the love of failure is where growth lies. And I just kept going and going and trying and trying and failing and failing a thousand times. And then finally, in uh, around 2005, I found uh, beauty in these infinity rings and other people saw beauty in it. And I started to earn a living as an artist in 2005. When most of my friends were being re were retiring from business, I just found myself as an artist. Well, I will tell you that, um, just to add some insight here, <clears throat> and I've used this example, people have used this example many times, two words that I am trying to eliminate from my vocabulary are success and failure. That really what it's about is learning. Uh, and, of course, the example that is often used by people is of Edison, who, who invented the light bulb. And uh, was asked once, how many times did you fail? Because he had like 990 some odd versions of the light bulb. He said, well, I found 990 ways it didn't work. I never failed. I just found that many that didn't work. And I then finally found the right one. But it's still the same example that you just gave of digging a hole and it's not going to work. It's not deep enough. It's not wide enough. It's whatever. So you climb out, take a deep breath. And you dig a new one and you try to make that work and you do it over and over and over again until you achieve that which you are trying to achieve. Uh, so I'm, I'm quite gratified by the fact that you had the, the wherewithal, if you will, the fortitude to persevere. Uh, to create what it was that you were, what you were endeavoring to create. How much of your intuition went into this process that finally then created the rings that you make for people? I think it's mostly intuition. That's what art is. Uh, there's no, uh, there's really no science. In fact, it might even be the opposite of science. It's, it's um, trial and error. And what you said about failure, I love it. You know, we can look at failure as you don't like to use the word and you don't like to use success because it's really about the process. Yeah. But when you love the process so much, you can actually love the failure aspect of it. And so, so I embrace it and, and then, then you grow. And then when you succeed, you realize that you don't really succeed because there's always a bigger challenge ahead. So it's really the process of growth, of, uh, of trial and error and getting it wrong. And then you get it right. And, you know, it's a constant, hopefully a constant process of creative growth. Yeah. Charles Sherman's my guest. CharlesShermanArt.com is the website. We hope that you will go there and uh, check out the work that he is doing, the art, the infinity rings that uh, we are talking about here on the program as uh, we continue here on Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. Let me ask you a little bit about your own uh, personal background uh, from more of a, a metaphysical or philosophical perspective. Where do you, uh, if I may put it this way, where do you hail from in that regard? Um, I was always interested in, uh, well, I always wanted to be an artist, uh, but, um, it just didn't seem right because I, you know, as a child, I was told, well, you know, 
be a social worker or be a teacher or be this or go into advertising because you can't really make uh, a living as an artist. And But I always had this dream and I never gave up. And I just persisted and persisted and persisted, always having this dream in mind, always having this hope in mind, always being optimistic, um, trying not to be discouraged, even though there's always discouragement, but just, just pursuing, just pursuing my dream. Sometimes it wasn't always the right thing to do. Sometimes I gave up opportunities in order to favor the dream, which may or may not have been a mistake, but I just basically persisted. And now I am the happiest person in the world, Richard. Um, I'm doing the exact work that I want to do, and I feel like I'm contributing something, and I feel like I'm doing good. Well, we are thankful that you've uh, given us some time here on the program to talk about this, because <clears throat> I know that a lot of people are very curious, very interested in having things either on their person or in their home or that they can carry with them maybe in their pocket or their purse or what have you that give them um, maybe it's a sense of well-being. It's a, 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 a feeling of uh, knowing that, okay, I uh, this reminds me that I am connected, connected to the universe, connected to the one, if you will, the force, God, if you want to go that far. What I find interesting, though, is uh, there's a quote here that I'm looking at right now. And I'd love for you to, to help us to describe uh, what, what this all refers to. I like it. I like the concept that it, it portrays. God is a verb. Yes. Tell us God, about that, my friend. Okay, well, God is a verb is based on my favorite verse in the Old Testament. And uh, the context is uh, Moses is talking to God, and he's saying, God, I think I understand who you are, but how am I supposed to explain who you are to the children of Israel? And God said to Moses, tell the children of Israel that I don't live inside of a tree. I don't live inside of a rock. I don't sit, live inside of an animal. And guess what, Moses? I don't live upstairs. I am a verb. I am an ongoing process of creativity in the universe. And my name is the essence of who I am. And my name is, I am that I am. I am an ongoing process of creativity in the universe. I am becoming what I shall be. So when I realized that God was saying that he was a verb, an ongoing process of creativity in the universe, my name is the most important thing. It expresses who I am. I am that I am. I realized that God is a verb. Well, then. Love is a verb. It's a process. Love is something that if you love somebody, you continually tell them that you love them and you continually work on this process of love. And art is a verb. God is a verb. Love is a verb. And art is a verb. To me, this is a holy, one of many holy trinities, art, love, and God. Now, in music, it's easy to understand music being a verb we listen to it or a musician plays it that's the essence of art mm -hmm. it's a process um so uh 
when my five-year-old daughter took a yellow crayon and moved it across a white piece of paper with awe in her eyes, I realized art is a verb. It's not the product, it's the process. Mm. So listening to music or playing music or making art, it's a verb. To a collector, it's a noun, but to an artist, the essence of art is that it is a verb. Well, I will tell you that that the, the the Old Testament passage that you quoted also, for me, makes reference to a New Testament passage that required me to find the definition of the word in that passage. Uh, and that was the passage that reads, Be ye perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And... Um, and what you just described from the Old Testament is the definition, in my opinion, of perfection. To just to be, I am that I am. So just be who you are, and that's really what you are doing in terms of your creating the the, the wonderful uh, pieces of art that that you are we're talking about here on the program. Yeah, um, it's just the process of growth and trying to get better at what you do, and understanding that it's a verb. That uh, and it's trying to stay in present time. Um, great create great creativity occurs when you when uh, an artist, a musician, a mathematician, or any creative dev- endeavor occurs when one is in present time. We're talking with Charles Sherman. He is our guest here on the program when we're talking about his Infinity Rings, as well as I want to jump back into Sacred Geometry. Now I. I took a class in high school in just regular geometry. I feel like I'm I'm talking about uh, I'm talking about um, uh, uh, physics versus quantum physics, uh, and that's kind of how it, it kind of seems in that respect. I did not do so well. I mean, I have a general knowledge of the different shapes, you know, trapezoids and octagons and squares and circles and triangles and rectangles. <laughs> and I know that uh, you could uh, very well use geometry if you're playing a game of billiards or pool. Uh, you learn the angles and so forth. Um, but it seems to me that sacred geometry, there's something ex- incredibly deep about it that uh, most people do not understand. Can you help us to better understand the I almost want to say the necessity, if not the importance of sacred geometry that that we really, really should try to understand. Richard, I wish I could explain this, but I don't understand it either. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? That's okay. That's okay. Uh, I don't understand it. It's just something that occurs to me that it just happens. Richard, I flunked geometry in high school. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm an artist. I'm, I'm lucky I can count my change. It's a good thing we have the swiping machines now. This is true. Uh, uh, I, I don't understand it. I, there's a lot I don't understand about the spiritual world. I don't understand God. I don't understand so many mystical things, but I just try to become a better human being and that in itself, to me, is really important. There's so many things that I don't understand. And for me, it's not important to understand them. I just want to get better at, yeah. at whatever it is. Okay. Well, let me ask you, how many, and of course, this applies to all, 
inclusive here. How many infinity rings do you think you've made over the years? Thousands. Uh, and not just infinity rings, but other shapes. Uh, one of my favorite shapes that I'm making right now is a tetrahedron. I was um, just going to ask you about that because there's a video I have. It's a VHS. <laughs> I don't have the DVD yet. Uh, of a, uh, It's a video called The Merkaba that focuses on the tetrahedron. Tell us about that, uh, the okay. tetrahedron. Okay, I don't know what the Merkaba is. I definitely will um, look that up. But uh, a tetrahedron is a solid form that has four sides. So a cube has six sides, four around, a top, and a bottom. Mm -hmm. A tetrahedron has four sides. Now this X, uh, this is called love letters. Mm -hmm. So the X is comprised of two tetrahedrons. So, um, so you see the front, which is two tetrahedrons, but so the bottom is thin at the bottom and wide at the top, mm -hmm. but the side view is wide at the bottom and thin at the top. Ah. So there's four sides to a tetrahedron. And so I've been making towers, single towers that are called, uh, I call them miracle towers because the energy is so good. But this is a tetrahedron and these are the forms that I'm working with now. And, of course, uh, that requires those who are listening to the podcast or the radio broadcast to go to YouTube uh, to the uh, Tell Me Your Story Richard Dugan uh, channel, and uh, you'll be able to see what he's talking about. Or you can go to Google and type in Tetrahedron. Uh, we'll also be uh, linked to his website, which is charlessermanart.com, so that uh, uh, you can find out more about the work that he is doing. Uh, when somebody connects with you, they find out what you're creating and is very interested in having, let's just say, an infinity ring for the finger. Um, does it matter which finger they would have it on? Because I notice you have a, a pinky ring, uh, infinity ring. It doesn't matter. what Some people wearing wear them on their pinkies, some people wear them on their thumb, and some people wear them on their toes. Uh, you know, it's just personal preference. The energy is the same. Whatever okay. ring they want to put it on, whatever ring fits the best, that's the ring that they should have it on. Mm. Don't forget, many people also have several other rings, too. So yeah. they have to find a finger that doesn't have a ring. <laughs> I've seen people with all five fingers, thumb and uh, four fingers, um, uh, with rings on them, sometimes on both hands. Uh, so they're very much into whatever it is that that energy brings to them. As you continue your search as well as research into the spiritual world, what are some of the things that, and I, I say this in this present moment, that you have discovered for yourself? And I say it that way because I know that in the next moment, it could change because you'll maybe find something new. Well, um, I'm always looking, I'm always looking for, to make my shapes um, more interesting, uh, following the basic rules of sculpture and art history as far as uh, form goes, uh, scale goes, having it all together, the basic rules of art composition, just trying to get 
to get better and better at it. You know, again, it's it's all about growth and as an artist, uh, trying to become a better human being and a better artist all the time, focusing on that. Just out of curiosity, what's the largest uh, infinity ring that you have made? Um, uh, 12 feet by... 12 feet by 7 feet is the largest one that I've made. Wow. That's a pretty good size. Now, that was uh, circular as opposed to oval? Uh, it was oval. It was oval. Was okay. And what are, what are the materials, the main materials that you use when you are creating this? And, and I ask that question from the standpoint of metaphysics uh, in that, uh, are there certain materials that you won't use to create the rings, whether they be for the finger or as a sculpture? Um, I, I, I hadn't really thought about materials that I don't use, except, you know, I wouldn't, I don't like using toxic materials. Mm -hmm. My favorite material that I started as an artist with, and I still to this day use more than anything else when I create something is clay. Clay is the most forgiving material that I've found. It comes from the earth. It's non-toxic. It smells good. Um, you can add to it. You can subtract. Uh, there's an immediacy to it that you don't have with any other sculpture material like steel or marble. Um, and it's a very sensual material. You feel it with your hands, you sense it with your senses, and it's just luscious, and I love working with clay. Well, I have to tell you that it's been a long time since I have worked with clay, but I do remember in grade school, in art class, when we played with uh, clay, and it wasn't Play-Doh, it was the, the gray or brownish-looking uh, uh, material. And you're right, it had a wonderful uh, aroma to it, a wonderful fragrance, just as really rich soil. It doesn't necessarily smell like soil, but you know what I'm, I'm doing the comparison saying it, that both of them are unique. And yet, boy, you could just sit there and without inhaling actually the, the dust of the clay or the dirt, uh, it just was a wonderful aroma. Right. And, and when it's moist, it's non-toxic, you don't get the dust. Um, when it's as it starts to dry out, you can inhale it, so it's good to wear a mask. But when I work with the moist clay, mm -hmm. it just it's a dance and it's very sensual, and I just love to get my hands in it. And I have the most primitive sculpture tools that you know the same uh, tools were used 20,000, 30,000 years ago <laughs> to make things. It's um, it's the most basic. Um, basically, I feel like a caveman when I'm working. <laughs> to, to that point, let me ask you of your observations. Now, I personally, and you don't have to tell me, but I have been around for just a scant, just a brief 61 years in my life, okay? I've been around that short a time, less than a puff of smoke in the eternity of the universe. And um, I'm just curious from your perspective, um, what you think of where we are, where we're going, and your role in that as a species, if not maybe uh, as a country, maybe in the city in which you live? You're, are you, wh what city are you in these days? 
I live in uh, Van Nuys, which is North Los Angeles. It's in Los Angeles County. Oh, we're so. almost neighbors. <laughs> I'm that's up right. here. Well, you're in Santa Barbara. I'm in right? Santa Barbara. That's yeah, right. On the 101. Exactly. But what are your thoughts as far as your contribution to the betterment of society and our civilizations? Well, with all the division, the political division in our society today, I, I just personally am searching for beauty. Uh, beauty never disappoints, and beauty always elevates. So when I'm feeling bad or down or for whatever reason, and uh, I look at a sunset or smell a flower, I always feel better. So in, in this chaotic world that we're living in, I'm always looking for beauty and I, I try to make the most beautiful uh, sculpture designs that I possibly can and always trying to get better at it. Hmm. What are your thoughts as far as our future? Do you think that maybe uh, in spite of the divisions that we have that we have a future that 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 maybe will will turn the corner on all of this and uh, things will actually start to get better. I feel 100 percent optimistic about this country. I think somebody is going to come around and somebody I honestly believe is going to come around to heal this country uh, to um, to heal the division and the political divide. I think somebody's going to do that. Mm maybe sometime soon. I know there are a lot of people that are afraid of that, uh, that there'll be this one individual. And I know myself growing up uh, uh, a Catholic and, of course, uh, um, working for 15 years at a Christian radio station, they would be fearful of that because they would say, well, that's the Antichrist because that's the role he's supposed to play, bringing unity and bringing everyone together. And yet uh, all they're about is uh, uh, destruction. And that's like, well, that's an awful pessimistic view. I mean, I'm with you, Charles. My glass is half full. You exactly. know, I'm excited about the prospects for the future. Um, yeah, I think I think it's real healthy to look at it this way. There's so much negativity going on in this country, in politics, in the media. The divisions are really scary. But uh, I believe, I, I have hope, I have optimism that things are going to, at some point in the future, turn around and get better. They may get worse before they get better. But I am very optimistic about the future of this country that I love. Yeah. Where you live these days and on the West Coast. Now, I, I remember and I'm born and I was born and raised in Phoenix. Uh, and I still remember hearing the stories uh, that uh, the big one was coming, you know, and that was 40, 50 years ago. And we're still waiting for the big one. Uh, they've had one, of course, up in San Francisco some years ago, back in the late 80s, and, and it, was, it was pretty tragic and very unfortunate and all of that. But by the same token, it's like stuff happens all over the planet, you know, and people are very concerned about, you know, uh, what, what's happening to the planet, what we're doing to the planet. What do you think your and I love, love the fact that, of course, when you talk about your sculptures, you use non-toxic materials. What do you think, uh, uh, do you think that your sculptures and the energy that they, shall we say, uh, I don't want to say emit, but they, they, they bring through, okay, the energy's already there, but yeah, I think it's like a focal point. 
you know, like these vortices, vortex like Sedona, Arizona, and so forth. Um, what kind of uh, impact uh, as these thousands of rings, both sculptures as well as uh, uh, jewelry, uh, will have uh, from that standpoint as you learn more about this uh, symbol, this uh, infinity uh, ring symbol um, that it'll have on our our immediate society here, both in this country, in Los Angeles, here in Santa Barbara, and so forth, and around the world. Well, just as Sedona is a vortex of positive energy, um, I believe that my sculptures are vortices of beauty. And uh, I, I think wherever they are, uh, the, uh, the miracle towers uh, that are actually tetrahedrons or my infinity rings, uh, whenever there's beauty, they come the immediate area down and they make everybody feel good. And that's, that's what I'm working on. That's what I've been working on my whole artistic career. And even when I was a child, I wanted something, I wanted something better for myself and more important for the rest of the world. Hmm. Well, I kind of feel the same way as you. And, and uh, I, I would venture that you probably do not watch a lot of, television a lot of news you don't listen to it on the radio you're not reading into the papers i, I would venture that that is uh, a distraction well actually since you mentioned it i have not <clears throat> owned a television since 1981 um <clears throat> now i don't say i don't like television because i travel a lot and i do watch it when i go to a hotel but um, it is a distraction, and it is depressing. And when I turn on the news, I feel manipulated. So, mm. uh, and then I just retreat to the studio and uh, try to create something that brings me into present time and makes me feel better, and hopefully has the energy that's going to make others feel better too. Mm. Well, uh, because of the industry that I happen to be in, I do uh, get inundated. So I have to find ways to sort of uh, somewhat shield myself from that energy, you know. Um, but I also, I also take a look at it from the perspective that what I am seeing or hearing is but a small part of the actual story, the, the big picture of that story that they're, they're, they're sharing with us, that it would be inappropriate for me, even though the mind and the, the ego get involved, it would be inappropriate for me to um, pass judgment or, you know, or pass sentence, if you will, uh, you know, judge, jury, and executioner kind of thing, because I don't have the whole story. And so I try the best I can to leave it alone. Uh, and, and, and then move on, you know, not, not get drawn in. And I, I'm not going to say that it doesn't happen, but I also find those wonderful things like these programs uh, to bring me back to a sense of reality of what, what is really important. From your perspective, in your life, what is really important to you? What's important to me is two things. I'm not sure what order, but becoming the best human being that I can be 
and becoming the best artist that I can be. I'm not sure which is more important. Hmm. But uh, it's it's real simple. And to me, it's real clear. And um, growing up, I always wanted, I always thought about doing something positive. I had, didn't really know what it was going to be until I was 34 years old. But that's what's important to me. I Just doing good. Um, everything else is irrelevant to me, relatively irrelevant. I mm -hmm. mean, love is important. You know, I... I want to love the people around me, but that's part of doing good is like expressing love and giving love and creating beauty. And of course, you know, being healthy. We all want to be healthy. We all want love. We all want to earn a living. And we hopefully we we want to do good. I want to do good. I can really only speak for myself. Yeah. A lot of people, unfortunately, are interested in being right. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested in doing the right thing. Yeah. Which is also, um, which is also uh, uh, subjective. Now, uh, it is indeed. Now, let me ask you about your family. Uh, I'm curious as to uh, your immediate family tree. Is it just you or do you have a uh, wife, kids, grandkids, et cetera, et cetera? And their response, or even going back to your parents when you said, I'm going to be an artist, because you know what parents are going to say, there's no money in that. Uh, right. Tell us about a little bit about your family tree. Well, growing up, um, I'm Jewish, and uh, I had a Jewish background. I was bar mitzvahed, and as an adult, but once I, uh, once I had my bar mitzvah, I felt that I was free of Judaism, and then as an adult, I started to study ancient cultures and early tradi uh, ancient traditions and early cultures. And um, I stumbled across a creation story in Genesis. And I thought, this is the creation story of my people. Now I'm interested, not because I'm force fed the religion, but because I'm genuinely interested in creation stories. Yeah. So that got me on the path, uh, on, on, a, on, a, on my own spiritual path. Uh, of studying and then eventually becoming an artist. So now I'm a Jew that loves Christians. I'm a Democrat that loves Republicans. <laughs> and I believe that art is a universal language of healing. One of the things that I've come to realize myself <clears throat> is that um, we all belong. If you are a human being, you belong. Period. Uh, in the case of uh, America, if you're an American, you belong. And it's not excluding any other countries. Don't get me wrong. But it's, it, there, there is so much, uh, as you say, so much division. And it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, you've got the card. It says that you were born here. You belong. I don't care what you think. My, my brother and I, though he and I have not had conversations in this regard, but I'm, I'm pretty certain from what I have been shared from my other sisters, that he and I politically are on uh, a different sides. So what? He's still my brother. That's not going to change a darn thing. And that it, it really is sad when I hear the stories of people whose families have been torn apart because people have taken different sides over the last five or six or seven or eight years. 
And it's like, you know, this this isn't going to work if if we take this position. We have got to understand that everybody has a right to their perspective. And and it's not yeah, you have a right to your perspective even if it's wrong. No, 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 no. They have a right to their perspective, period. And if we are able, uh, this is something that is always, uh, I've always found this interesting, uh, Charles. One of the reasons I believe that uh, one group is continually fighting against the other group and not convincing them that their perspective is a better way to go, not the right way, but a better way to go, is because they haven't found a way to share their message so that it will be heard. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that the other side is going to roll over and say, oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, we'll do it your way. No, but if you are not able to, if you can put it in this context, package it in a way that at least people will listen to it, then no one's going to listen to you. I, I had... Uh, I had some Scientologists on this program many years ago, but I didn't tell anybody on the program as we're doing the interview where they were from. I talked to them about their philosophy, what they believed, where they were coming from, what they thought of this, that, and the other thing. And at the end of the program, I told our listeners, and I explained why. Because if you knew where they were coming from from the outset, you would you'd turn it off right away. I want you to hear where they're coming from so that if you say, oh, that's interesting. I like that. Okay, fine. Oh, by the way, they're so-and-so. Really? I've had atheists on the program, the most spiritual people I have ever met. They have morals. They have values. And uh, so I, I kind of tend to agree with you in that regard that we need to come to a place of, of understanding. And I love what you've said, you know, in terms of your love. There's a wonderful Baha'i saying. Uh, I was a Baha'i for a year and a half back in the 90s. And their founder, Baha'u'llah, said this. If you reject one of the messengers of God, you reject them all. If you accept one of the messengers of God, you accept them all. And I think that's very profound. And I, Charles would put you in that category because of what you are doing, the work that you're doing and what you are trying to achieve through what you are doing in your life here on the planet. Uh, thank you, Richard. Um, yeah, again, I just want to become a better human being and do what I can to contribute to something. By the way, I was also in Scientology. I did everything in Scientology from the bottom to the top, but uh, I am uh, free from Scientology now, <laughs> although I have no complaints about it. I, yeah. I got a great deal out of it, but I felt that uh, in order to be truly a free being, I had to uh, I had to be out of Scientology. Right. And, and that's interesting because <clears throat> I am no longer a practicing Catholic, but I have no animosity. I didn't run away from or turn away from the church. Uh, I just, it's just not something that serves me, even though I still love the ritual, the tradition, the ceremony that they bring, which we need to bring back into our lives. I love the fact that you had an experience in your life early on that gave you that milestone of becoming a man, i.e. the bar mitzvah. 
I didn't have that. I had, I had an experience when I was 33 that I can look back on and say, yeah, uh, I became a man that day with this particular experience, to which my mother, when I shared this, she says, oh, my God, it's about time. Um, but, you know, we all get there when we get there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite remarkable, the milestones, and those are some of the things, too, that, that we need to look at. And uh, I, I'm very grateful for my experiences, and I'm grateful for my experiences of you, Charles, here on this program. And uh, I, I, I thank you again for giving us so much time here to, to talk about you, uh, as well as the infinity rings and the artwork, the tetrahedrons, uh, uh, the, the, the towers that you are, are uh, constructing, if you will, and, and uh, uh, all that you bring to, uh, uh, bring to the table. Thank you, Richard. Well, it's been um, it's been a pleasure and an honor to be with you on this uh, radio show, and uh, I thank you very much. Well, I I do have three final questions that I would like to ask you. Uh, you may have answered these questions in some fashion during the program, but I do like to ask them pointedly. And uh, before I do that, I want to let our listeners know that this is Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Coming your way on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Mondays at 1 a.m. and 9 a.m. on Wednesdays. Uh, that we stream live at richarddugan.com, podcasts on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and other locations that you folks are reposting us to. Thank you for doing that. And also thank you if you're able to do so to support us financially. Uh, we would love that. That's why we have a PayPal account for your security as well as ours. And uh, we also want you to participate in the Decade of Perfect Vision, the 2020s. Spend that, still, spend that time with the still small voice in in that quiet place uh, in uh, what they call your prayer closet, if you will. That's one term for it. And we hope that you'll do that. Listen to that still small voice. Listen to your intuition. It's there to help. I guarantee you. Look what it's done for Charles. Look at the great work that he's doing at charlessermanart.com. So please go there. We'll be linked to his website so that you can continue your evolutionary and transformational process. Well, Charles, we have uh, just a few moments to go here, and I love asking these questions because every guest has a set of different answers for it. And my first of three is, who is Charles Sherman? Charles Sherman is a person that is constantly working on becoming a better human being. Uh, Charles Sherman is a, is a person that fails or doesn't succeed or overcomes barriers or tries to overcome barriers uh, to get to the next level and then realizing that this is just part of the process and then we have to get to the next level after that. It's all about growth. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now? I just want to bring as much beauty into the world as I possibly can, because to me, beauty never disappoints and beauty always elevates the soul. And finally, what is your life's purpose? 
Well, my life's purpose is the same thing, uh, to become a better human being and a better artist and to bring, bring beauty into the world. My purpose, my life's purpose, my work, it, it's all one. Well, Charles, we thank you for sharing this time with us uh, and our viewers and listeners, and we look forward to having you back again, and I certainly do encourage people to go to charlessshermanart.com to find out more about you as well as the work that you're doing, the art that you're creating, and again, we thank you so much for, uh, the, for the time today. Thank you so much for having me, Richard. And I'm Richard Dugan, and I thank you for listening and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to lol. <laughs>